0: Welcome to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. Today, we've got an amazing message of hope and healing just for you. God's Word never returns to him void, so let this message sink deep into your heart so that you can walk out your complete healing journey today. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Mike Hesch for Healing Journeys Today. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me. Just appreciate your hearts to do so. I am going to talk about, uh, let's see, um, don't compromise with sickness, I think is the title I chose. Don't compromise with sickness. What do I mean by that? You know, uh, there, um, let's see, compromise. When you compromise uh, with something, you're like conceding to that. Uh, I I I think I wrote a definition here. Yeah, I did. Let me see what my definition is. Oh, yeah, compromise. Listen to compromise a settlement of differences in which each side makes concessions. So, my question to you is do you want to make a concession with your sickness? Do you want to give it room to remain in your life? That's what a compromise is. It says something that combines qualities or elements of different things. Do you really want to combine the the healed and whole person that you have with just a little bit of sickness? I think not. That would be a compromise. And then um, another definition for compromise is a weakening or reduction of one's principles or standards. Wow. It's like, do you want to compromise the truth of God's word? Do you want that to be something that is a uh, a negotiable item in your life? I think not. Uh, the only only the word of God guarantees freedom. Truth is what brings forth freedom. So any compromise of that truth is going to compromise the freedom that's available to you in that word. Amen. Y- you know these are. These are points that we really don't meditate on enough. And, and when I'm saying it, I know to you guys, it just seems really obvious. But, you know, we don't think about them in those light, in that light all the time. And sometimes, it, I mean, not just sometimes, but it's very important that we remember these truths. And once we get them in our heart, the Spirit can bring them back to our remembrance. Remember John 14:26 tells us that uh, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, which uh, Jesus would send to us, that he would bring back to our remembrance everything that He has said unto us. So we want to hear what the Word is saying. So when those when those challenges you know come up in our life, we have the response because the Holy Spirit is right there with the ammunition of what He has taught us the truth, where we can choose the truth over whatever else is opposing that truth, sickness, disease, a lie, whatever it is, and we can cast that down and receive the freedom that's in the truth. But if you compromise, it says it's a weakening or reduction of one's principles or standards. You do not want to go there. You know what I mean? We also have heard this expression quite often. You uh, you know... Uh, you know, that, what would you say? I would say, oh, that that auto accident that he was in compromised his ability to run. And uh, so do we want any of that in our life? Do do we want anything to hinder us from walking or living in the fullness of what Christ has provided for us? No, we don't even want a little bit of that. Um, But the first definition I read, I think, is uh, pretty good. It says, uh, a settlement of differences in which in which each side makes concessions. Think about that. Do you want to concede anything? You know uh, that God has given you in Christ Jesus. Do you want to compromise or give up a little bit of that for something else that's challenging you? I think not. You know when you uh, when you make a concession. Uh, the word concession means. It's an act of yielding or conceding. Do you want to yield to uh, sickness or disease? Do you want to yield to anything the enemy is telling you? No matter how convincing it may sound, do you really want to yield to that? You'll be conceding uh, the victory that you have in Christ. Anytime you yield to the enemy, you're surrendering some of what you already have in Christ Jesus and folks, you don't want to do that. That's not good for your heart at all. That's, that's just not part of who you are in Christ Jesus. You know, um, uh, I think about uh, Jesus when he was, um, after he was baptized, one of the first things he did just, I don't know, 12 days later, was we see him on his way to the temple, picking up these cords and braiding them together. And when he gets to the temple... He starts driving all these people out, throwing over tables and, uh, you know, yelling at these people. He was not kind to them at all. Wow, Jesus, what was he doing? That's like crazy, you know. Well, think about this. Jesus, there was no compromise in Jesus' heart. And he couldn't do that until he was anointed into the position that he had as high priest. He saw all that going on for many years, uh, coming to the temple three times a year. He saw those chain, money changers, uh, people doing things in the temple that were unlawful, that was not a respectful to that temple. And when he was finally anointed, what did he do? He did something about it. So you know what? We might have been unsafe for most of our life, or we might have been challenged by things because we didn't have the right doctrine. But now that we have the truth, do you really want to compromise? Do you really want to concede? You know, um, uh, I call it drawing a line in the sand. Uh, Jesus had drawn his line in the sand long before he was ever uh, baptized by John in the river Jordan and the anointing fell on him to do the work that he was called to do where he was actually anointed in the office of high priest by his father, by the Spirit. And he had already drawn the line in his sand that there was no compromise to the truth of God's word in his life. Zero. No compromise. And look, look consider this. We read in um, Acts 10.38 that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And it says he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. See, Jesus recognized that behind the facade of the natural realm in which he was, you know, his body was, our bodies are, the world around him, the physical tangible world around him, he knew that there was something behind that that was greater and more significant than what his five senses were telling him. And that's what he taught us. He, he, In all of his teachings, he pointed out, through the parables and things like that, he pointed out that behind all of what we're seeing in the natural, there is a spiritual realm. And he said, that's what I was sent to do. I was sent to redeem you from the spiritual the spiritual your spiritual condition of being lost being in bondage i came to break those chains. chains in um in first john 3 verse 8 it tells us for this purpose was the son of god manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil you know if, if we are asked that question, you know, why, well, why did Jesus come? Most people would say, well, he came to save the world. And we, our mind automatically goes to what we can see, hear, smell, touch, and taste. People, you know, yeah, he came to save people. Well, yes, he did, but how did he do that? You know, it tells us in Hebrews that all our lifetime, we were held in bondage to the fear of death. And who had the power of death? It tells us that Satan had the power of death. So he's held us in bondage all of our life to this fear of separation. But it didn't affect Jesus because he realized that his adversary wasn't a symptom in someone's body. It was the oppressor that was creating that symptom in that in their body. And that's exactly what he addressed. So... When he came to that temple the first time, he had drawn his line and he was now empowered by the Spirit of God, just like you are. You're empowered by the Spirit that you have received through the new birth to stand up against the wiles of the devil and say, no, uh, not on my watch. This ain't happening to me. And you can stand up and do that. That's what Jesus did. He went into that temple and he drove them out. You know, uh, and he didn't just do it one time. No, he did it many times. In fact, there's a record of two times in the scriptures that we know for sure that he did that. And I like this one in Mark. In Mark chapter 11, it was towards the end of his uh, earthly ministry, right before he was going to be uh, uh, offered on the tree for you and me. And uh, in Mark 11, yes, in Mark chapter 11, where is that? Uh, Let's see. Yes, in Mark chapter 11, verse uh, 15, this is after the incident at the fig tree. And it says, and they came to Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold dubs. It's like, wow, that's, that's pretty radical. Can you imagine? He did that by himself. It doesn't say that he said, okay, disciples, get rid of these guys, get rid of those guys, I'll get this guy. No, he, he was the one that had the authority and he did not compromise in the authority that he had. Listen to this. You, you want to talk about extreme? Listen to this, and he would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. Wow, that is extreme, but you know what? It's extremely good. See, Jesus drew his line in the sand, and that meant nobody and nothing. I'm not going over on that side of the line and nothing that is contrary to the truth of my father's word is coming over on this side. And he he manned that, and he stood up to that, and he said no. Think about it. How extreme. Even if he saw some old man bent over, you know, barely moving along, if he was carrying something in the temple, he would have made him stop. That's what this says. He wouldn't suffer any man to carry any vessel through the temple. Wow, that's extreme. How about us? How long are you going to put up with uh, what the enemies put into your temple? Do you know in first, let's go there. In uh, first Corinthians, this is what Jesus said about himself. In first Corinthians chapter maybe it's second Corinthians. Well, let's go to first Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First, I want to read you something. You just get there and I'll just throw this in once you get there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Listen to this in John chapter 2. Just hold your place in 1 Corinthians 6 because I'm going to come back there. But this is the first time that Jesus, uh, and I encourage you to read it. When Jesus first came to the, the temple, the first time, uh, in um, in chapter two of John, it says this, uh, and Jesus said unto those that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And then it goes on and explains. It says, and his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Now we think uh, the house. The, uh, the temple there, the, you know, the temple in Jerusalem. But listen to what it says here. Then the Jews answered and said unto him, what sign showest thou, seeing thou doest these things? And Jesus said unto them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. And then it says in verse 21, but he spake of the temple of his body. See, Jesus saw that temple as a, the physical temple of uh, in Jerusalem. He saw that as a type, a picture, and a shadow of the true temple. And what was the true temple? He saw that as his body. The body, the Spirit of God was indwelling that temple. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it puts it like this. What? Know you not your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which you have of God and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are yours to do with what you want. No, it doesn't say that. What does it say? It says, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, we're not our own. You know, uh we can't just decide, okay, I'll I'll allow this, I'll allow that, I'll allow a little sickness into my body. It's okay, you know, I've got aspirin, I've got this, I've got that, oh, I got a really good doctor. Is that really? Uh think about it. Listen to how it words it in first Corinthians 2nd Corinthians chapter six. Listen to what he says here. He says, uh, wow. Verse 14, just for sake of time, I'm going to jump in the middle. He says, Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Do you know to allow any unbelief in you is to compromise? And when you're compromising, you're conceding. What are you conceding? The truth. Okay? When you make a decision to draw your line in the sand like Jesus did, that there's no compromise. That line is means there is no compromise. Listen to the definition of draw a line in the sand. I wrote this down too. It's good. Uh, drawing a line in the sand, you know, it's an, what they call an idiom. Uh, no, idiom, not idiot. Idiom. Uh, It says, a point beyond which once the decision is made, the decision and its resulting consequences or benefits are permanently decided and irreversible. That means there's no compromise. Zero. Let me read it again. A point of decision beyond which one will proceed no further. You draw the line, you said, nope, it's not going any further than this. And no, you can't cross that line. A point beyond which once the decision is made, the decision and its resulting consequences or benefits are permanently decided and irreversible. You know, we need to draw our line in concrete so that the next wave that comes along doesn't wash the line out. Amen? This, this uh, expression, drawing a line in the sand, is, is like, no, you are not crossing this line. And who's going to maintain that? Who's going to maintain that? It's up to whoever draws that line. Uh, here's another definition. It says, uh, to indicate the threshold or level above which something will become unacceptable or will provoke a response. To create a boundary and imply or declare that its crossing will provoke a negative response. See, that's what happened when Jesus drew that line in the sand. It was in the sand of his heart between what? Between anything that did not agree with his father's truth and the truth itself. So the truth that he had in his life is that's how he measured and evaluated everything that came to him. So if it didn't fit that criteria of truth, it was like, no, you're not crossing that line. And when he did see something going against that line, he, he resisted it. He said, no, there's a negative consequence for you if you try and cross this line. And that's what God gave him and you and I power and authority for. Where we say, no, enemy, no further. You're trespassing. Get off my property. And that's the way Jesus saw not just his father's temple, but his own physical body. He saw that as just a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. You know, that's what it calls our bodies today. We just read that in 2 Corinthians. But listen to what he says here. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, Don't be unequally yoked, yoked together with unbelievers. In other words, don't yield to people who aren't believing in your life. You know, let's say you, uh, you get a sickness or something comes into your body. Uh, you know, I don't recommend this, but if you tell someone, they are going to tell you what they believe is necessary for you to do about that. And you have to be prepared before you tell anyone what's going on, what you're going, where your line in the sand is drawn. You have to draw that line first, not after you check it out on Google and look at what everyone else is saying about it, no what your doctor said, what your grandma said, what your mother thinks, you know, your best friend. You can't go by that, you, you cannot go by that at all. If you do, your heart is already compromised and you won't know, wait a minute, where should I draw my line? And what's gonna happen is you're gonna have, instead of it being drawn indelible in the ground, engraven in something that cannot be moved, It's just going to be a string laying on top of the ground, and it's going to move whenever the wind blows, and it's always going to move in the wrong direction. Let me just warn you of that. When the enemy's involved, he's after taking more territory from you. He's going to be pushing you to concede, but we already have to have our hearts set against that. He says, and uh, in verse uh, sixteen, and what agreement hath the temple of God, your body, with idols? You know, we we often don't think of this, but you know, the dominant thought in your mind or heart that you won't let go of is an idol. You might think, well, phew, man, I'm glad I don't have any idols. Have you ever thought of fear as an idol? Have you ever thought of anxiety? as an idol. You know, anything that you lift up above the word of God is an idol. So when the Bible says, "Fear not, for I am with thee," don't look out for yourself. I'm your God. And fear comes to you and you start listening to it and you start obeying it by making compromises and concessions in your life, what are you doing? You're you're bowing down to an idol of fear. I mean, folks, that sounds hard. I don't even like to hear that because when fear comes to me, I still have to say, wait a minute, no, that I'm instructed not to fear. So fear, no, I'm saying no to you and I'm saying yes to Jesus. A majority of my life, folks, I was bound by fear. I was raised with it. You know, I was taught that a little fear is good. But what does this say? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. What does no mean? Does that mean a little bit? If I asked you, do you want some dog poop in your uh, in your uh, breakfast this morning? And uh, you said no, and I thought no meant just a little bit. Would you mind just a little bit in there? Just a little bit. You know, you probably won't even taste it. You might There might be a little bitterness, depending on what the dog ate, but would you want just a little bit in there? <laughs> I think not. So no should mean no to you. And when it says, have no agreement, no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, that's what we should do, especially when it comes to our body. Listen to what it goes on to say. It says, The reason why we shouldn't have any agreement is because we are the temple of the living God. That's your body. Sickness is encroaching in the temple of God, and we saw it's not yours. So you have every right, like Jesus did, to stand up to that uh, enemy of sickness and disease and command it to get out of your body. But you know, sometimes you need to drive it out. That's what Jesus did. You know, those people had set up tables; they had set up uh, tons of things in there. They they like they probably left them in there overnight, you know, so they wouldn't have to set them up in the morning. And they all knew their little space, you know. But Jesus said no. He said not going to happen. We are not allowing not even a little bit of that in this, my Father's house. Wow. You know, uh, that's one thing that really helped me. When I began, the more of the truth my heart began to embrace and receive, the more indignant I became and the deeper the line in the sand became to my heart. You know, that's exactly what happened. I said, no, the more truth that I actually began to believe, it actually built up inside of me strength. It activated the faith that is part of the spirit in me. And I began to identify with that more than I did the other things. You can't even allow a little bit because that little bit is just like leaven in... uh, where is that? In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Yes. Uh, I didn't realize it, but we're mostly in Corinthians today. But let's go in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This is interesting. This is how, this is how important it is that we draw our line in the sand where we uh, have an attitude of no compromise not allowing anything to remain there. It's one thing if the, you know, like a symptom comes on you or that an enemy gets a dart past your shield of faith and it sticks into your flesh, but don't let that remain. We have to be like, no, that ain't staying here. You know, however it got in. And uh, and it's not about commanding and rebuking as much as it is about the, the uh, steadfastness in our heart and that we see, no, I can't allow this because this body is not mine own. It doesn't belong to me. I'm a caretaker in this house, and I will not allow anything, uh, uh, like Jesus said, uh, to make this house a den of thieves. Listen to this in First Corinthians chapter 5. This is a fellowship, a church fellowship, And in this church fellowship, everyone knew that there was a man that attended that fellowship that was uh, committing fornication with his father's wife. They, They all knew what was going on, and they didn't do or say anything about it. Well, Paul was just infuriated about that when he heard that. No different than Jesus was when he saw those money changers in the temple and he said, you're out of here. He drove them out. And you know, that's the advice that Paul gave them here. He said, wow, you can't allow that. And he tells them why. Listen to this. He says in verse 6, he says, your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. You know, the point he's making here is it just takes a little bit of leavening agent yeast in a loaf of bread proportionally and that whole loaf is affected by it, okay? And he's saying if you allow any of that in your life, what are you allowing? You're allowing the potential To that infect your whole body, no pun intended. It's gonna take over everything in your life. It's like I learned that you can't just have a little fear over here. That little fear is gonna, is a little leaven that leavens the whole lump. And you gotta say, no, I'm not allowing even that little bit. Think about the, I, I like the thing about the, uh, just a little dog poop in your breakfast, just a little bit. You probably won't even notice it. Yes, you would notice it because it doesn't belong there. You would not even have one bite out of that bowl of cereal or oatmeal, whatever it is, if you knew it had just a little bit of dog poop in it. You'd say, no, I'm, I'm not, no, I don't want it. No, thank you. And if somebody tried to force it on you, you would be, no. And it would be final answer. Well, we should be exactly the same way about the enemy. You know, Jesus used also this in, um, in uh, where was it? It's in Matthew 16. In Matthew 16, he used this same analogy. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this many times. You know, the devil is never going to come to you and knock on your door and say, hi, I'm the devil. I'm here to ruin your day. Uh, What would you do? Would you say, well, come on in. I just put a new fresh cup of coffee on. I'll get it for you. Would you say that? No. If you were smart, you would just slam the door in his face and say, get off my porch. If you were smart, that's what you would do. Okay. But the devil doesn't come that way. The devil comes with just something very, very little, very little. You know, like what did he do with Eve? He had Eve just look at the tree. Look at that tree. There's nothing wrong with the tree. God's just pulling your leg. Did he really say that? You didn't hear him say that. Adam told you that. You know, he didn't say those words, but I mean, you can hear the argument. And uh, he's telling her like, you know, God's just holding out on you. And she thought, well, it wouldn't hurt just to have one piece of that fruit. The whole tree is covered with it. What's one piece going to make a difference? Well, she found out, didn't she? And so did her husband. That just that little bit, compromising that little bit on the command that Jesus, that our father gave Adam and Eve, do not eat of that tree. What did that little compromise do? Well, It separated them from him. His spirit immediately left them. It wasn't God's choice. It was theirs. And you know, if we allow any information, any thoughts, anything into us that isn't of God, it's going to have the same effect. It's going to be like leaven. It's going to affect the whole lump. Listen to this in Matthew 16. In uh, Matthew 16, uh, verse 5, it says, and when the disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus said unto them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And what does he say? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, is it because we have taken no bread? <laughs> Can you just see that? Jesus, Jesus, who's spiritually minded, always trying to share with them Something from the spiritual realm and using natural things to illustrate spiritual truths. Uh, the immediately when he tells them that, they're thinking, Oh, we forgot. Do you have the bread? Ah, oh, we forgot to take bread. That's why he's saying, He's just trying to be nice, saying, Who forgot the bread? No. Listen to what it says. And when the disciples were come to the other side, wait, let's see, they forgot. Uh, verse seven, and they reasoned among themselves, Is it because we have taken no bread? Which, when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason you among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand? Neither remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up, neither the seven loaves nor the 4,000 and how many baskets you took up. How is it you do not understand that I spake it to you not concerning bread, that you should be, but that you should be aware, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood how that he's bade them to beware, not of leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know, folks, there is so much information out in this world today. You know, uh, I'm thinking of social media. We read things on our on our page, or, uh, you know, we're exposed to things in all the media that bombards us, you know, ads on Google when you search something, you know, it brings up a thousand things that uh, are related. And if we allow any of those into us, they could become leaven. And what does that do? Jesus said that if, if you accepted the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it would be leaven in your life. He said, I'm not talking about physical things. I don't care that we didn't bring bread. Don't you remember we had no bread before and we fed five and 4,000. He's saying, I'm talking to you about a spiritual principle. And that's what he was telling them to guard their heart against those things. Now we need to guard ourselves too. We hear all this uh, news about uh, viruses and and jabs and shots and things we should and shouldn't do, and and it's just constantly bombarding us from every direction. You know, even friends, people we know that are in Christ, will bring things up. That uh, what what for what purpose? You know, if you're not bringing it up to capture thoughts or to uh, relay a truth like Jesus did here, then it could be leaven or it could be. Um, You know, it could be leavened to your heart to where now you had no fear about it and somebody gives you a little information or presents something that you hadn't considered before and now all of a sudden what's rising in your heart? Well, it ain't bread, folks. It's called fear. It is rising in your heart. And if you don't deal with that and get the leaven out, it's going to rise And it's going to overtake your heart. You have to be diligent about it. You have to be... uh, How does it say here in uh, Ephesians? In Ephesians chapter 6. Yeah, in Ephesians chapter 6. Listen to what it says here. Uh, It says... um, It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You know, it's just drawing your line in the sand is not doing all. You have to guard that line because the enemy's right out there reaching over your line and drawing it closer to you and erasing your old line. Are you going to allow that to happen? No, there has to be an attitude in your heart of no compromise, no tolerance to anything but the truth of God's word. That's all you're going to allow in your life, in your heart, is that truth. Amen? Another scripture that goes, and I'll I'll wrap it up with this. In uh, where is that? Uh, it's in uh, James. Listen to how James put this. Peter, Peter also uh, made this same point, but I think I'll go to James. Listen to what he says here in uh, in James. Um, verse 7, 4, chapter 4, verse 7 of James. You're probably familiar with it. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, a little bit to God. Resist the devil, if you should think of it, and he'll flee from you. Is that what your Bible says? Mine doesn't doesn't say that. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. I used to live like that, you know. Eh, If it's convenient, I'll do what God says. No, folks, that's not doing all to stand. That's just doing, oh, I feel like it now. Or, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want to fight against that headache. I'm just going to take some Tylenol. You know, what well, that's what it's made. God, God was the one who blessed mankind with Tylenol. I mean, we come up with all these doctrines that just are compromised when something big comes along, our heart's already wide open to receive whatever it is because we've compromised so much along the way that you know we think we're standing when we're not standing. We're being run over by a steamroller. And we're like, yep, you know, like the cartoons. Remember when uh, Wile E. Coyote would be run over by a steamroller, <laughs> he'd just be flat as could be. You know, and you have to pick him up and shake him back out. But folks, that's not what happens with us. If you get run over with a steamroller, it's not like those cartoons. There's generally not someone around to pick you up and shake you out to get your shape back. We have to be preventive. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God. That's an instruction. It is a commandment that we would be wise to take heed to. And don't just stop there. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Look at when you draw your line, you're resisting the devil. You're actively standing against the devil. You're saying, No compromise. Devil, I don't, you're not coming over here and I'm not going over there. Amen? That's the attitude, folks, that we need to have. And we have that attitude. It's in us in the spirit, but we need to develop it to where it's become our default. That's why we spend time in the truth of God's Word. We let that truth minister to us how valuable those precious things are that we have received through the Spirit. And we learn to esteem the Spirit as greater. And when, we be, when that is an issue settled in our heart, we'll be just like Jesus. And we won't allow anything to cross through our temple Uh, Without our permission, without it being an agreement to the truth of God's word, Amen, Amen. Awesome. Well, folks, thanks again for joining me. I'm just going to wrap it up there. I encourage you to go back over this. I know you were inspired, uh, as I was, just in ministering it. The importance of uh, not allowing any leaven to remain in these temples. To, to like it says, uh, I think it's in First Corinthians. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7, where it says that we should um, uh, cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, not allowing anything, you know, from the natural world or from the spiritual world that is unclean enter into our temple, because we've been purified through Christ Jesus, but we need to walk and live that way, not as a command, uh, you know, or else, but it's the wisest, the smartest, the simplest thing that we can do to walk in victory. So God bless you. Have an awesome rest of your day. We hope you got some great nuggets of wisdom out of that teaching. Thank you for listening to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. And don't forget, you can find us live on Facebook and YouTube seven days a week. If you would like to donate, please go to www.healingjourneystoday.com. Isaiah 53 5 says and by his stripes we are healed God bless you